You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You asked for it. You have it. It's Camp Smash with Jeff Cameron. I'm Aslan Hudjavandi. Welcome on into this live edition of the Sunday Smash, part of the Warchant.com family of programming. Hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe. Uh, we'll be with you for the next 45, 50 minutes or so as we've got lots to talk about, Jeff. Uh, the portal, May 1st, the deadline uh, is approaching. We'll have Michael Langston joining us near the bottom of the hour to talk about that. Obviously, the NFL draft, success on the diamond for the Knowles. But, man, let's just... Let's just talk about how you're doing for a minute real quick. Jeff, how are you? How's your weekend been, man? I'm good, man. It's been a good weekend. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the draft. First of all, it's cool to be with you, Aslan. I, we have not done one of these together and uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I love working with you. And uh, so it's good that we get to do this, but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the draft, man. I'm a geek when it comes to that stuff. So I watched and um, you know, I mean, Iris call them on warchant.com. I mean, I'm, you know, I'll pimp here for a second, but it's exactly right. It's very frustrating to watch the draft play out. I'm happy as hell for Jermaine Johnson, obviously, but you know we're kind of in a situation. I think Seminoles everywhere knew the deal. We weren't going to be watching a lot of Knowles come off the board, uh, no matter how long you watched. Basically, if you watched anything after the first round, you saw no Knowles come off the board and a whole lot of players from a whole lot of places, but not Florida State. And it's a little frustrating. So we wish all those guys well, those that signed as undrafted free agents of which there are a bunch and other guys that got uh, invites and, and we wish them well, but it, it, it does reflect where the program's at and how far we've fallen. We don't need to dwell on that, but we certainly can talk about it and kind of frustrating, but I am happy for the baseball team, man. They continue to get wins against top 25 teams. They can look pretty average against everybody else. Uh, but man, uh, I, I, I was saying to you before we came on as on, James Tibbs, man, has there been a better looking swing from a freshman? Uh, you got to go back a long ways, and I do go back a long ways watching Florida State baseball. I don't want to compare the young man to like JD Drew from the left side or anything like that, but he he's a beaut. He's a beaut. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was about to say Drew Mendoza in, in, the, in the recent future actually came in swinging quite nicely as a freshman, but uh, Tibbs is a bit on a different level right now. A uh, big time series win for them. They weren't able to finish the drill on Sunday here today because of. Uh, the rain. It's an unofficial game, so none of the stats count. So everything is wiped clean. But uh, they take down TCU. They get Stetson in the midweek, and then the softball team takes out Oklahoma yep. State. Uh, they're ranked number seven. I think that's 13 wins now for Lonnie and the softball program over a ranked opponent. They're 45 and five. Jeff, we might as well just go to Oklahoma City. Just 
Book the tickets now. Bring on Patty Gazzo and the Tide, man. Or, I'm hey, sorry, so, so, so the bottom line is, and we knew this when the season started, and this is a testament to Lonnie, her team, those girls, this program, the thing that she and her staff has built, what Florida State represents in softball. The bottom line is, you assume these wins, these series wins, these moments, these unbelievable sports center moments, uh, the, the athleticism, uh, the depth, the talent. We're all sitting around just waiting for them to play Oklahoma. That, that's what we do these days. Yeah. That's that's the kind of program this is. It's like, all right, well, we'll see you when you play Oklahoma. And it's not a knock. It's a testament to also what Oklahoma is, which is a bit of a behemoth. But I, I just love watching them. They're a lot of fun. They dominate. So it's kind of like you just make assumptions about getting – uh, you know, to the College World Series uh, with them as well. Absolutely. All right. I, I wrote a bunch of numbers down on a piece of paper, Jeff. So I took time to research. So I want to talk about some of this stuff. And we'll get back now to the draft, obviously, with Florida State. So, I mean, what does it mean then, Jeff? They got one guy drafted. You know, looking at this, they played six times against teams that had more than one draft pick. They went one in five in those games. And then they had six other games where the teams had less draft picks or as many as Florida State did, either one or less. They go four and two in that sort of stretch. I don't really know what that means. Is it is it underachieving, overachieving, or are you about hitting the mark when you've got one person drafted uh, out of an entire team? Or is that kind of a number that we really can't use to decide where a program is or just how good they possibly could be? Well, I think it's a bit of a mix. I mean, the bottom line is, look, it is a reflection of how much talent you have. Ask Georgia. Um, take what, about a look LSU, at the what about LSU? LSU had got 10 guys drafted, and, and they went six and seven, though, Jeff. It was a shit show at LSU in the last two years with a head coach that was running amok. Um, I think I think we see the off-the-field problems at LSU. Talent was not in question at LSU. Uh, what was in question was whether or not the inmates were running the asylum. And and I say that in a sense that um, their head coach was an inmate. Uh, so you you had a guy who was routinely getting in trouble off the field. Uh, so, and, and I mean, I don't mean like arrested, but you know, you, you've heard as well as I have the things that people encountered with coach O. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, that was a mess. And I think he had lost the locker room and we know what happens. Jimbo Fisher lost the locker room here with a bunch of NFL talent. And you saw it kind of careen at one point. I, I do think it's a reflection of where the program's at. And I think that a series of events led to a dearth of talent. First of all, we, we, we do this a lot, and I don't want to go through this over and over and over again, but once Coach Fisher was leaving, we can all get into the debates about who was responsible for that and why. And the bottom line is, clearly recruiting dropped off, and, and so the next coach, Willie, inherits a nightmare in a toxic locker room, and he couldn't steer the ship right. There were problems off the field there, too. They decide to eject early on. Well, now you're setting yourself even further back, even if you believe it was the right move, and I did you're still setting yourself over. Every time you start over, you're setting yourself back. Then you have the early signing period. Then you have COVID. It's a perfect storm, Aslan, to where you have a situation where basically, you know, four or five years after Jimbo's gone, you don't have much going for you from a talent standpoint, and you have to build it back up, and it's laborious. It's difficult. It's frustrating, and I think we see uh, the fruits of that right now when you watch the draft. I do think it's moving in the right direction, not fast enough for any of us. Um, listen, have they lost some games to teams they should not have lost to? Well, yeah, Jacksonville State stands out amongst others. Have they also been in games against teams that have a lot more talent than them? Yes, yes. They were in that game on the road against Clemson. 
a way more talented team. They were in that game, could have won that game against Notre Dame, a lot more talented team. I would argue Miami's more talented than Florida State, and there they were. They won that game. Um, so you see a little bit of both, to answer your question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one team they did beat that had more draft picks than them was North Carolina. North Carolina had four. And that probably was the, the best, most dominating performance that they had in the entire yeah. season, I would say. Um, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, I think we're looking at it and we say, well, what do you expect this coaching staff to do with, one, with only one draft pick? But, man, I think Oregon had one draft pick. Utah had one draft pick. BYU had one draft pick. Louisville had no draft picks. Uh, you know, I just don't think that that really is a mark of, of, of how we should really judge the, the team. I just think at this point, Jeff, I mean, there's there's this is the season where there's two kinds of fans. Either the fans that think this season is going to be an indictment of what Florida State is ultimately can be with, with Mike Norvell, not that if – it doesn't hit 10 wins. If it's there needs to be significant improvement this season to, to believe into that. And then there still is a, a significant, I think majority, would you agree or disagree that still thinks he needs more time that, that the 23 isn't the, the 22 isn't the make or break year for him, but 23 is going to really be sort of the, the, the eye opening season of what they could be with Mike Norvell as the coach. Well, it's, it's, it's both. Again, if he doesn't have a good season this year, Aslan, he's done. Now, when I say he's done, People assume I mean he's fired. No, he's not fired now, but I've used the phrase dead man walking. Uh, if he does not have a good season this year, he will not be able to get the requisite recruits he needs to have the kind of season in 2023, 2024 that would allow him to keep his job. Because I don't think kids give a shit why you're five and seven or six and six or what happened before you got here. And I don't think they care that it's a long-term rebuild, which I agree with. What I would tell you is that if you go six and six this year on the heels of five and seven, and prior to that, we know what it was, uh, you're not getting kids that have even thought about Florida State for a half a second to say, yeah, I'm going to go there. They've got it moving. They've got it moving in the right direction. No, they're not. No, they're not going to do that. You might get a legacy, maybe somebody like that, but you're not going to get uh, a, an influx of elite talent that'll shift this to a nine win, 10 win program. And so then you're just kind of playing out the string. Um, I'm rooting for like everybody else, uh, this team to show and to take the step forward. I don't believe all of this is coach Norvell's fault. And I don't believe uh, that he gets a total uh, pass either. Uh, but I would tell you that they got to have a good season this year, regardless of where you sit in this argument, this debate. And Florida State fans have spent a lot of time over the last several years screaming at each other, being frustrated. I'm amongst that group. You're amongst that group. We're all pissed off. We're all assessing blame. Percentages applied here, here, here. It's all it's, it's irrelevant. Either they get to a point where they show obvious progress this year and a step forward, or they don't. And if they don't, they're not going to get the kids they need to take the following step the following year. It's not going to happen. So no matter how much he has the boosters uh, in, uh, aligned, and I think he does, I, I do think Norvell does have that group aligned. Um, yeah, that's easy to say. But when you go out this year, if they go out this year, and it's a big if, they could have a great year. If they go out this year and they're average or below average, I don't think he keeps that group aligned with him. And I think a lot of people begin to fracture. Yeah. I like how you're talking about, you know, I guess the, the symptoms of, of not winning and not being successful, which is going to ultimately be what would, you know, create problems in terms of recruiting that if they don't have a good 2022, you're not going to be able to, to get the guys you need from the high school sort of ranks to be able to keep your, your roster replenished up. 
because, you know, Corey sat down with Mike Norvell last week and they, they we're going to knock out a pretty, pretty cool video feature. That's probably going to drop on war chan on Tuesday, awesome. but it's Corey and Norvell 25 minutes talking about the interview, the press conference after the Louisville game on that Monday, going into Syracuse where Corey asked him about when you're Owen four, what can you talk to, to recruits about to, to sell them on your program? And I mean, it's a 25 minute conversation. It'll be on the podcast, the full entire 25 minutes, the video will probably be about 15, but Norvell talked about, it's really revealing and, and it's, it's really awesome. I mean, I'm not the, the big sunshine pumper, if you will, but I think there's going to be a lot in there that people can take away and, and find sort of promise. But Mike Norvell mentioned and talked about like really openly about, I guess, some of the aspect of negative recruiting where he talks about, listen, I get it. I understand what these other programs are telling these kids are like, look where they're at. You know, why would you want to go there? And then Norvell talks about that. He, he talks to these recruits and tells them, and he's never sold them a fairy tale. And it's, it's not going to be difficult, but it's ultimately going to be worth it. To your point, though, I think another year of that, you can you could have gotten away with it this year. That It's a legitimate thing. You could talk to a kid. You can go into his house and be like, hey, it's going to be tough, but look what we kind of did, the, the, the strides, the progress that we made. I don't I don't think you can do another 12 weeks of that, right? You, you can't do another another season of that. Well, yeah, you can't do another season of that. At some point, it compounds on itself, and you get to a place where a coach could easily say, how long have they been pushing that? How long have they been telling you that this is turning in the right direction. Uh, three years, four years, how many more years do you need to hear them tell you that things are going to turn around next year? I mean, that, that that's what they'll use against you. Listen, I want to say this definitively because there are probably people here who maybe haven't listened to the Jeff Cameron show or have heard us talk before on War Chan or whatever. I, I believe Mike Norvell is a really good football coach. I believe that. But we both know, and I think anybody that, you know, as long as they're not, burying their head in the sand, understand this. There's more to being a good football coach than just understanding, having an elite understanding of the X's and O's. Uh, and so at some point, and, I, and I'm not knocking him because I think they could have a good year this year, and I'm very excited. You know, I know we're going to have Michael Langston on the show a little bit later. I'm excited to find out who they're targeting to try to kind of supplement what they have on this roster because it's going to go a long way in deciding how many of these 50-50 games they can win. And I think we both know those 50-50 games of which there are a bevy, uh, they have to win more than they lose in order to get to eight wins. And if they can get to eight wins, they got a shot to kind of slingshot this thing in the right direction. But as of right now, there are a lot of big question marks. And if you go into this season with people saying, hey, we've given you the benefit of the doubt, we understand you inherited a nightmare, once they decided to hit reset, and start all over, this was going to be a long-term deal. Okay, we'll buy into that. We'll grant you that. But if at the end of this year, Aslan, they don't have a winning record, and they oh. don't go to a bowl, or if they're 6-6, oh. six and six, buddy, I, I'm sorry. I just don't think that the vast majority of the forgiving fan base and those willing to give the benefit of the doubt, and that includes recruits, are going to buy in. You will be flatlined when it comes to momentum. And people will say, I want to believe I like the guy. He's charismatic. He's smart. He knows the game. He's proven at Memphis he can coach. But I'm not seeing it at Florida State, and I have other options. And now in the world of NIL, man, I, I don't know. It, Florida State's already at a distinct disadvantage when it comes to NIL. Now, they've recently obviously taken a step forward. Um, you know, Rising Spear obviously stepping up, and other entities are doing their part now to give Florida State a chance. But – we both know Aslan. I mean, this isn't Texas A&M. Uh, this, this is not even right now what you see with Ruiz down in Miami. 
Uh, now, I question whether or not that's going to work, but as of right now, they're throwing money at the problem. They're trying. So, yeah, and it's foolish. I mean, some of it's foolish, in my opinion, but they're they're attempting to do so. I just think you've got to have – this all adds up to Florida State has to have a very good season this year. And by very good, I mean, let's define our terms, right? What's very good? In my mind, with this roster, I think eight wins would be a very, very good season. Correct. Agreed. Agreed, Jeff. Well said. Uh, let's take a pause for you all to hit the thumbs up button, if you could. Hit the like button. And for a little bit of uh, nonsense, uh, courtesy of our guy Kyle, get down or lay down. Uh, Jeff, I didn't see this, but he says, can we address Reggie Northrup with cigarettes in his mouth during a USFL practice actively running drills? Uh, I, I I looked it up. It's on the Internet. There's our guy. I thought he was an MMA guy, but I guess he's he's back playing ball, and he's got a grit just dangling off his lip. In the middle of a drill, I guess. If Fuck. that's real, if that's that's, I hope that's a lollipop. I can't quite see on my screen. Is that a cigarette for real? I mean, that's what it says. Or I, I, I need to maybe, I need to maybe hammer down a little bit more on the details of it, though. But uh, yeah, I just hey, wanted to. So let me just say this: He was one of my favorites. Didn't you love Reggie? Oh yeah, yeah, man. They busting out the robot and everything. Oh that's yeah, good, dude. Man. Reggie, yeah. Reggie was funny. He had fun. Uh, for what he did, he was good. I mean, I you know, listen, I love it. I love it if it's real. Um, not that it I would is, recommend apparently, it. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's already cut you off. But apparently he uh, put something on Instagram. The SIG represents the attitude that I hit the field with. Like the old school <laughs> ballers in the 60s and 70s, they were some of the toughest, meanest SOBs on that dude. field making plays after dragging a whole cigarette. So there dude. you go. There you have dude, it. Dude, I love it. And he was an MMA guy. I'm not going to say anything to Reggie Northrup. No, but, no, sir. But but those pictures in the locker room after games back in the day or halftime of the games, dudes smoking cigarettes with their shirt off, looking frumpy, <laughs> drinking a beer. Yeah. That's that's the best. Uh, Reggie didn't look like that, at least. <laughs> oh, man. Good Lord. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, we'll have Michael Langston come at the bottom of the hour again to talk a little about the uh, the transfer portal. Uh, that May 1st deadline is is hitting us, approaching us here for guys that put their name in so that they can be uh, eligible for this upcoming season. Um, but in terms of the transfer portal, obviously NIL is going to play a huge part of it. Jeff, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, Corey mentioned this on the podcast I'll be dropping, but just maybe, I guess, twofold of a question, how NIL can become maybe a vehicle to keep kids from leaving your program to go to the NFL. Uh Maybe a Sam Howell. Maybe be more lucrative to stick around college than, than try your chance in the NFL. And then also what NIL is going to do uh, to maybe a program in the ACC like Pitt with uh, Jordan Addison, apparently Bolitnikoff winner, going to be plucked away from his program. So there's a sort of a positive development with NIL when you kind of think about maybe using this as a, as a way to keep kids from leaving your program to go to the pros. But it's also going to provide poaching opportunities for programs like Southern Cal to, to take away from a power five program. I don't know. Aslan. I don't know what to think. I'm like you, man. I, I don't know. I shouldn't put words in your mouth. I mean, on, on the one hand, I, you know, good uh, for a while there. I wanted guys to, to have these opportunities and I still do. On the other hand, I think about the idea of having to, I guess, re-recruit your roster. It's brutal. Like I think if you're, if you're an elite team, it's, it's, it's very different. But when you're trying to come up, um, it's just one more thing to worry about, right? It is opportunistic in the sense that think about where we'd be if Jermaine Johnson hadn't come here. Um, you know, you can think about a lot of guys. I know NIL is different than Transfer Portal, but I kind of group them sometimes, just worried about guys leaving 
um, after a great season. I mean, Florida State, by rights, seems to have hit, I think we both agree, hit uh, on a large percentage, especially of the defensive players they brought in in this last class. And all I can do is sit around and think, well, what if they go out and show out this year and play really well, and this team is seven and five, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got some of the better programs around the country going, oh, man, we missed on that guy. We should have got him. He, he should come here. And they can provide more NIL money. They can provide better opportunities from that standpoint. Do you lose guys like that? Probably. I, I don't know. Maybe the market ends up dictating. Uh, maybe maybe Rising Spear and other groups like that are prepared for things like that, where they look at Ezra Thomas and guys like that and say, okay, we know we're going to have to probably pay that guy. Um Maybe Florida State's able to pluck some guys that way. Um, it's 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 a very, very difficult time in college football for us to wrap our minds around about what's good, what's not good, what's certainly intimidating to Florida State fans right now. I think every time I look around, I think, I don't know if this is good for us. We're not in a good place right now. Um, and so I worry about it. Uh, at the same time, uh, I, I know that a lot of folks would say, hey, look, there are programs all around the country that have an opportunity at players that they would never have had an opportunity at if the right guy steps up, offers the right deal, uh, and maybe it changes their reputation moving forward forevermore. Yeah. What do you think about a guy like Jay Sean Corbin? Do you think, I mean, I don't know how much money Rising Spear could have, you know, cobbled together to get a guy like that to stick around here, but do you think that maybe, you know, NIL can now be maybe used to to tell kids like, hey, you know, you put in your your you know, your paperwork into the draft, the advisory board came back, said you're a late round guy. How about you stick around? We'll give you, you know, $200,000. I guess Howell, I mean, maybe Howell's not the best example. Corey was saying that I think as a fifth round pick, he's guaranteed somewhere around 350. If he actually makes the team, it'll be closer to $700,000, but just for one season. And then, you know, who knows what happens after that for you? I mean, could this maybe be a vehicle to keep guys, you know, from, from leaving? Baycott did that at North Carolina, and it makes sense there in basketball a lot more than I think Jay Sean Corbin would have made sense for Florida State. I, don't, I mean, who's? I'm not trying to be an asshole, but who's paying Jay Sean Corbin to come back? I mean, I, well, like I, a quarterback though, like like Jordan Travis. If Jordan Travis has a really strong season this year, but still has durability concerns, maybe doesn't have NFL accuracy. Uh, I mean, maybe a quarterback's a better example to use in this sort of. I guess. Yeah, it is a better example. And maybe that would be the case. I mean, I'd be interested to see what the player thinks about that. I mean, it's interesting to find out whether or not they view themselves that way. But at the same time, like you say, when you enter your name, you get the response. Maybe that's a humbling moment for a kid like that. And maybe that's an opportunity for you to step in and say, hey, look, man, I'm sorry you didn't get the news that you wanted. Why don't you come back for one more year and see what you are? And, and, and hey, by the way, you're the most high profile player on our team. We'll give you a 300, 400 grand, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I find all of this to be infinitely uh, fascinating. I just don't – I think moving forward, when you've got a guy that's maybe not good enough to get drafted at a position, even a high-profile position like quarterback, uh, or to be drafted very, very late, isn't that an indicator that you really need to be moving on? Um, isn't that an indicator that you should be bringing in players to recruit over that guy? Maybe you don't have them. You're right. Aslan, maybe you don't have them, you know, lined up. Maybe a guy hasn't said yes to you yet. Maybe you don't have a guy that you feel real good about. Maybe you're not in love with AJ Duffy once he got here or something like that. And all of a sudden you realize, oh man, we need to delay this a little bit, I guess. 
Uh, but to me, man, if you got a kid, there are certain kids that are uh, perhaps perfect for the scenario that you and Corey laid out. But there are a lot of times, guys, that if they're just not good enough where they're going to go sixth and seventh round, maybe undrafted, and you want to pay them to stick around because the best they're going to do is whatever they have here, that's great for them. But it tells you that you're just not recruiting well enough. If Florida State expects to be competing to win the ACC and play for national championships, and they've got a guy at the helmet quarterback that's not even going to get drafted, well, then you need to move on. Yeah, we don't know what the market is for players. I wonder if this will help set it. Like if a guy like Caleb Williams, whatever he got to go to Southern Cal, if he's right. looking at what he's like, you know, listen, Sam Howell was bandied about as a first round draft pick possibility going into the season. And now he falls to the fifth round. That's how much money he made. I wonder if a guy like Caleb Williams is going to go back and be like, well, actually, no, I need a little bit more juice now. Or maybe he probably got more than $300,000 to leave Norman to go to Los Angeles, I would think. Well, I read an article in the Los Angeles Times originally about that. We, I, you may have read it as well, where he's going to sign a deal with Dre and, and Beats. I mean, USC is about to take off, everybody. I mean, this is a problem. How are you going to compete with that? Like, if a guy who's a billionaire says, I'm going to give you 600000 I just want you to wear these beats every time you take the field. Like, shit, man. I mean, <laughs> what are we going to do with that? You're screwed. Oh, man. Uh, maybe get, you know, give him a Gordo's cup at a press conference and put up on the podium. You know, that'll, that'll equal it out. Cigar City's got you covered, boys. Yeah, I mean, damn. Uh, Daniel Hollingshed says it's kind of crazy that even with the NIL deals available, Florida State still can't find a high-level tackle or tight end. Tight end, I know that's uh, that's your pet cause these days. I, I, I'm done talking about it. I've brutalized that position group a million times over. Um, I, I've gotten to be so frustrated, but it doesn't change overnight. You know, they recruited a tight end. He'll be here in the fall. We'll see what he is. Even if he's a two-year project, it's it's fine. Maybe he's got more skill than what we have on the roster right now. Uh, I would love for there to be a guy that's an instant uh, impact player in the, in the transfer portal market. We'll talk to Michael about that. Maybe there is. I don't know. That's his expertise. Uh, I'm crossing my fingers that that's true, along with a wide receiver and an offensive tackle. Uh, you know, I – it, it is amazing. Listen, you know this. You know that Norvell wants to find a guy at that position. We saw his offenses at Memphis. We know what he wants to utilize with that. Um, I, I just think at the same time, I mean, throwing numbers at the problem clearly hasn't been the answer. They're going to have to get a difference maker. They don't have one right now on the roster. At a very important position, if they're going to open up the offense the way that they want to. So. It'd be great if they could find somebody. It is frustrating as hell, though. Yeah, I mean, let's, they, they've they swung for the fence. I mean, they they took flyers on a guy like Kobe Gross. That clearly did not work out. Uh, we have not seen them in the mix, though, with any, I guess, Jaleel Skinner's the closest to a high-level recruit, but apparently his visit did not go really according to plan. I think he tied one off and, and was late to a meeting the next morning to, to meet up with the coaching staff. We'll get Michael Langston here to get to write some clarity course. on that. Of course that happened, Aslan. Of course it did. <laughs> Listen... I do know this. Somebody said it in the chat earlier, and it is cliche, but it is accurate, and we all, I think, agree on this. Look, man, win some goddamn games, all right? Look, win some games, and this changes everything. If that happens, your access to better players is going to be immediate. As of right now, you have to hope you get lucky. You have to hope there's a guy that connects with a coach, connects with the situation, perhaps Somebody like Jermaine Johnson helps lead the way, right? Where you see a, a moment in time where a guy left a program like Georgia, 
obviously we just saw in the draft how loaded Georgia is, comes to Florida State, tears it up. That coaching staff, even though Jermaine Johnson is an Im- immense talent, I don't want to give the coaches too much credit, and I love Papuchas, yeah. but the bottom line is that kid came here and elevated his stock tremendously. You and I both know that's a guy that was maybe projected by a lot of people prior to the season, prior to him winning ACC Player of the Year, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he was a third or fourth round guy projected, right? Even even with a body that looks like that and everything else. And then he came here and he dominated. He was an amazing player. And, you know, the Jets got him a good one uh, with real good value. That's good for Florida State because I think it does tell – potential transfer portal guys or even guys that maybe are interested to see what FSU has to offer NIL wise. Um, Hey man, they, they are developing the guys that they get that come in. It's not like Jamie Robinson hasn't gotten better since he's been here, right? He has, Uh, he's a nice player. There've been a lot of players that came in here and bettered themselves. So it's not like this coaching staff isn't getting kids that can play and doing something with them. They are, they're developing them. They're getting something out of them. Yeah, they're, they're going to be a confluence of some good stuff if Flores can obviously win on the field. If, if a guy like Jamie has a really good, strong season again, I mean, he was, he was first team all ACC this past year. If he works himself up into being a second round grade kind of a guy this next season, I mean, you're showing evidence mounting that, hey, come here. All we need right. is a year or two with you. You'll have the opportunity to play really big games and, and, and have the exposure to. Um, you know, to, to go where you want to go in the draft, even if you're not in an SEC premier program, Georgia or, you know, South Carolina, obviously not a premier program. So, Hey, by the way, I want to give credit to Ed. I could tell he was drinking a Hooter Brown Oyster City when he called it Hotter Brown. And I thought, there you go, Ed. I, too, have had many of those Hooter Browns. They're delicious. Uh, they'll lead you to say Hotter Brown by accident. And DeLuna Coffee is working with Rising Spear for some players at FSU. That's what I'm talking about, DeLuna. That's what I'm talking about, Ed. Cheers. Enjoy that Oyster City. Uh, a lot of times I have that hat on. I'm not wearing it right now, but good on you, baby. Well yeah, done. That's our guy, DeLunaCoffee.com. Check out their website. Use that promo code WARCHANT15. You'll save 15% on the coffee. Get a tumbler. Get the bundle. Do it up, everybody. All right, with that said, and speaking of Rising Spirit, it is transfer portal time. Let's uh, bring in Michael Langston, I think fresh off his his holiday, if you will, in the beautiful state of Hawaii with his wife. I will bring Michael in right now. The deadline is is rapidly approaching for the transfer portal for guys to put their names in to be instantly eligible for this upcoming season. We'll get to all that. But first off, thanks for being here, Mike. How are you, man? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, I'm settling in from the hour difference, uh, six-hour difference, and I'm I'm not watching NBA basketball at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, so that's different. Uh, but, uh, no, we had a great time. It was phenomenal. It was a great time to get away. We saw Diane's family, so it was great. Loved everything. It was perfect. I'm infinitely jealous, Michael. I'm going to uh, give you a peek behind the curtain here real quick. My wife, babe, when are you going to Hawaii? Answer. October. Okay, so I'm getting screwed over because uh, obviously it'll be football season and we've got a lot to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has a dear friend that said, hey, I have an and one invite for a business trip to Hawaii for a week. And she chose my wife. So my wife's just going to tag along, doesn't have to do any work. It's just going to be all over Hawaii. And I'm getting screwed not being able to see the beauty that is Hawaii. And it's not the first time. It's the second time this has happened in my marriage for a different reason the first time. And now you were just in Hawaii. Screw all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
it, it's an unbelievable place. I, I encourage anybody that hasn't been there to go there. I'm not trying to pour salt on the wound for Jeff, but it's okay. Uh, um, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, um, certainly when your wife is from Hawaii, like mine is, you don't really have to do all the stuff of, Oh, where am I going to go? She kind of knows everything. So you're just kind of, I'm kind of, I kind of just tagged along too, Jeff. So that's kind of what I did over the week. So I just, uh, it was phenomenal, but, um, I'm glad to be back in Tallahassee. Uh, love it here. I can't, I was excited to be back and, uh, I'm excited to get this thing rolling, man. I'm, uh, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of excitement. Now, All right. So, so give me, give me the deal, man. I'm sorry, Aslan. I just totally interrupted you. Hey, listen, <laughs> softball, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm observing, man. Roll with it. My yeah, softball to Michael. Let's go, baby. Talk to me. Yeah. Let's go. How, what's the momentum like? Give give us all of us our our desperate selves. That's me and that's everybody <laughs> on the chat. That's all of us in Florida State land. Give me some news, baby. Yes. Um. I first I'll address Jeff's uh, thing he brought up. Um. Uh, he was wondering like, is there a tight end in there? There's not a tight end yet, but I hear there's a possibility of one that they're eyeing. Uh, is Darnell Washington from Georgia, uh, tight end, uh, massive kid. I visited FSU uh, during the high school process. He isn't officially in yet, but I think he's a guy that could possibly jump in there. He's got a, a previous relationship with the staff, so they, he certainly knows what Norvell does with a tight end. So that's one I'm kind of eyeing to see. Once he, if, if he goes in there, I think there will be mutual interest there. So we'll just have to wait and see if he jumps in. But first of all, Darnell Washington's in there. And then I hear it's up to over eight uh, guys that they're involved with, that they're, they're active with, uh, that are at least talking to. So they're pretty active. Most of them I hear is mainly offensive line. I just put up a nugget this morning, really early this morning, kind of goes through all the guys. I, I won't give it away on just the Sunday smash of every guy, but uh, people can go there and read it. So there's, there's most of them are offensive linemen, but I think they do want to, uh, I think they would like to get a linebacker, a, a wide receiver, uh, and they certainly want a playmaker at tight end. I think the most important is they would like to get an offensive tackle to really solidify that position. That would really solidify if they can get a guy that they can come in, plug in, and, and certainly help with their depth. And then that way you can move Darius Washington where you want him and all that stuff and juggle a lot of stuff. So I definitely think they're still pretty active uh, with this whole thing. What's what's tricky about this is, you know, Aslan mentioned the May 1st thing, but I'm not sure that's going to go into play because uh, Mark Emmert's not there anymore and somebody's got to sign off on this stuff. So I'm not sure. And we still see guys entering. So I'm not sure if, if that thing won't be extended or not. So that's something I'm kind of monitoring as well. Um, as Aslan threw up, Jonah Miller is a guy I mentioned this morning uh, out of uh, Oregon. He's a guy that I know FSU has been actively involved with uh they're trying to get him on a visit uh from what i hear uh so certainly they're very active with this portal they're not slowing down just because of all the guys that they landed in the spring i think they want to add a few more pieces to this summer group michael is uh, is jonah miller being pursued by miami i don't know that yet i would assume as i told people on our site i would assume they are uh or, or at least intrigued by him but i haven't heard any other team besides FSU, at least right now, that's that's the main team I've heard. Uh, but um, I have not heard if Miami's involved. I would assume they are since Mirabal's the guy that recruited him and, and got him signed. But I don't know for sure if they're pushing yet. I haven't heard that. Michael, is is quarterback at the, on the radar at all? I don't think so, because if they were going to sign a quarterback in my mind, it would have been in the spring because – 
what are you doing bringing in a guy in the summer? I mean, what's that really going to do? What are you going to, I mean, what are you going to accomplish? If you're going to get a guy, you get him in the spring, you get him the battle with Jordan, you show what you are. And then the fall, you can kind of make your move, but I don't think they're going to add a quarterback personally. I mean, you have Tate, you have, um, you have Jordan and you have AJ who, from what Norville saying, he seems to be comfortable with those guys. And then, and then you have walk on English. I mean, it's like, so I don't know what you're really going to add. If you add a quarterback in the summer, it seems kind of, it will be kind of dumb, dumb to me to bring in a guy in the summer. If you're going to bring in one, you need to get it done in the spring. So I don't expect one. Michael, I heard that they had, I won't get into all the other stuff about, you know, you, you've got people, you know, uh, on the ground all the time. You're better at this than I am for sure. When it comes to incoming players, but I, I heard that they had had their guy, uh, a guy, anyhow, at linebacker that they had targeted mm-hmm. some time ago. It, it, are you hearing that, that they, they're they locked in on a guy that we think that Florida State's going to get? I think they are locked in on a guy. He hasn't hit the portal yet. I'm not, right. even, I'm not even allowed to mention his name from what right. I was told. Don't even mention his name. Right. But he, he is a guy that they have a previous relationship with that previously has – uh, solid interest in FSU, and I think they would have a good shot if this guy did enter the portal. So, yeah, they do have somebody in mind. I, I, they're just hoping to see that he gets in the portal, but uh, certainly when he gets in, I will I will talk about him. But, yes, there is uh, you know, one guy that I've heard consistently was that guy. That you're yeah, I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position. <laughs> I've heard that too, and, and uh, I'm just crossing my fingers because I, I think they could use another guy. I'm more concerned about offensive line. Can you give me a percentage? And I'm try- I, I don't mean to pin you down, but you know I'm just desperate and excited. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me a percentage chance that Florida State brings in an offensive lineman here? Do they have a shot at somebody that you're hearing about that you, you feel good about? I know we just mentioned Jonah, but is there somebody else out there, anybody else? Because they've got to get another offensive lineman here, preferably a tackle. But at this point, I would just take another available guy that upgrades this offensive line's depth at the very least. Yeah, I think I think if in a perfect world what they would like to do was bring in a guy that's really young that you can develop and bring years, in. Years. Yeah, yeah. And then the other guy is kind of the Jonah Miller tar- tar- part is bringing a guy you can plug in. So I think that's the perfect situation. I I'd love to give you good things they say and hey, Jeff, there's definitely somebody come. I think they're going to get an offensive lineman. Uh, I don't know who yet. There's nobody that I think's leaning their way, but I, the fact that there's such a, um, there's such a high market of what they're pushing for uh, as far as their wet, uh, as far as casting a wide net, I think there's going to be a guy. I think they're going to be a guy. They're so emphatic about, um, you know, getting an offensive lineman. We've already, you know, covered the, the guy that they were likely to get that didn't happen, but I think uh, that would have put them in a perfect situation, but I think I think they will. I I, I do feel gut feeling wise, without knowing intel, this isn't based on intel. I do think they're going to get an offensive lineman, another one. Uh, is Destin Hill a real person? <laughs> yeah, he he is, and um, I I get you know I get emails like even when I was in Hawaii, I don't usually I didn't even go to War Chant when I was in Hawaii, but I my Good. email my email pops up to my phone every time and. There's at least 10 emails about Destin Hill like every week. And yes, he is a real person. I've met him in person. Uh, You've several, seen him. Yes, I've met him several times when he visited FSU. And the one thing I will say with people is like, look, I'm skeptical that this dude ever shows up because I'm going to believe it when I see it. Because, I mean, you're two years removed. 
But uh, I will say this to get people kind of positive. FSU fully expects him. And also FSU is going out there when they go, like when they have the open time where they evaluate kids, they're going to see him. So the fact that they're going to see him consistently is a positive sign for me that they're still active with this. And they, they absolutely expect him. You know, that's, that's the word I got that they're still absolutely uh, expecting him. Now I'm skeptical as hell on that, that feeling (laughs) until I see it, but um, that's kind of, I want to give people at least something positive in regards to, you know, Destin Hill there. So Garrett asked if, if the mystery player was Marvin Jones Jr. And I love his optimism. (laughs) Um, It's, it's one of the, it's one of the great ones. Uh, So we know it's probably not Marvin Jones Jr. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to give you any hints, guys, because I'm not going to burn my guys. But if this guy does pop in there, and if this guy ends up staying where he's at, I will I will obviously acknowledge it and mention it. But I'm not going to. There's no nicknames. Not going to give you a conference. Uh, He's he was very highly regarded out of high school. That's all all I'll say. But um, certainly a guy that I think would help them immensely. I do like what I've saw out of Tatum Bethune when I went to practice. I like what I saw out of Kalen Deloach, but I think you get a third guy. I think that really solidifies that linebacker core, which I think is going to be uh, very much improved based on what I saw uh, early in the spring, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I agree with Jeff that you definitely would like to have another guy that would really solidify that group. Yeah, and, and and another receiver. You think they're definitely going to bring in another receiver? They're going to try to. Uh, I'm not going to say they definitely will get one, but I definitely think they're they're actively you know looking around to see you know what guys are out there. Certainly, uh, I don't think FSU's NIL is going to throw three million down for uh, Jordan Atkinson like uh, you know USC seems to be doing. But I think the, they're actively pursuing one because we don't know what Winston Wright's situation is or how long he's going to be out or if he's coming back or or whatever. So I think they have to be, you know, they have to, you know, certainly look and see what's out there. But I do think they'll we'll pursue one and, and hopefully one will, you know, fit what they want. I do. I have been impressed with what I saw from Micah Pittman in the spring when I watched him. I was I was like, they ain't got the, they ain't have a guy like that last year. Right. They, right. they have a guy like that last year. So I was very encouraged by what I saw at Pittman. And then I think the key for me when I watch this football team at receiver, you really I really would like to see a step up from Malik McLean. I really want to see a step up of consistency with Johnny Wilson, who I think gives them something they don't have. Johnny has got really high uh, catch radius, and that's something they don't have with a lot of the guys they have on their roster. So if those two guys can step up and Micah is what we think he is, I, th- I think it's a good situation receiver. But I think you could definitely use another experienced guy to come in. Yeah, Mike, Mike is the real deal. Aslan, I think we saw a couple questions, I believe. I don't want to step out of line here uh, about the FAMU kid entering the transfer portal. Is that right? Isaiah Land. Yeah, yes. the uh, Buck Buchanan winner for the FCS Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I do know they're monitoring him. I do know they're, you know, the NIL has, you know, spoke a little bit with him. Some of the words I get is like he might be still staying at FAMU. And then some of it's like he's listening. So I think that's one I'm monitoring. I can't say for sure that FSU's like there's a strong possibility or solid puffless or even whatever reason where it's leaning. But that is definitely one that they're they're at least there's communication. I'm almost more surprised. I know there's there's still a few hours left in this day, uh, Jeff and Mike. But the fact that it is May 1st and we haven't seen anybody else from Florida State jump into the portal. 
Um, that almost makes me surprised more than anything. And, and you know, Ed asks, do we have the numbers or the at least how many transfers can they still bring in? I mean, they haven't lost anybody since I think Quayshawn Fuller entering the portal here uh, last week. Uh, do they have the wiggle they need to, to bring in the amount of guys you think they want? I was told that they, they have the room to bring it in. That was what I was told. And I had somebody, I'm not going to say who, uh, but somebody we checked with that, that told us, like, we feel like they have room to add, you know, more between two to three, four, you know, something like that. So that I was told that they do have the room to do that and make that happen. And, and the guys that, you know, while I was on vacation and left with Quayshon Fuller and, and, you know, uh, Jadarius McKen, uh, all those guys jumping in, um, you know, I think I think what you're I think you'll see more a few more of those guys. I don't think it's you know they're done with guys leaving. Um, so I think there's going to be a few more. Obviously, we're counting down to the final hours, but you know I think there'll be a few more. And I think uh, certainly they they kind of expected that when you have these exit interviews and you know you're figuring out who who is staying who and so um, I think what he's doing is he's he's fattened up the the roster of of guys that. You know, he's addressing everything of, of the needs of, of what if you're producing and if it's beneficial to the kid. And and certainly it's not just beneficial to helping FSU getting guys in there and getting guys out that just aren't producing. But also you're helping the kid get to a place where he can play. You know, uh, obviously you have certain guys that just, you know, just aren't FSU material and has or hasn't worked out here. Jeff, I mean, but, there's there's no teeth in this deadline, I don't think. Do you think yeah. there's like real true teeth? And like, if, if a guy is not putting his name in his, in his the portal by the end of today, uh, they're, they're supposedly not going to be allowed to be eligible to play this upcoming season as a one-time transfer. I've just got a sneaking suspicion. Some guy's going to enter his name in somehow in June and show up, you know, somewhere and be able to play football this upcoming season. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Aslan. I don't, I don't think it's going to be monitored that much. Like I said, you don't have, you know, your presence out, you know, so you don't have anybody monitoring the stuff. And two, this is a new era of NIL stuff. So they're going to be a little bit lenient towards guys a little bit later, or, or, you know, if they need to go somewhere, I mean, you're going to tell a guy that he can't be eligible to play uh, just because of a, you know, a few months here and there. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to be lenient. They're going to, they're going to let it happen. Good God. So there really are just no rules, whatever the hell you want to do. I mean, we, th this is arbitrary. We throw, we float a date out there, but in truth, fellas, just honestly, day before the first game, screw it. You want to, you want to transfer? Go ahead, baby. Well, apparently Miami just cuts checks. So, uh, you know, they don't even care. I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I think it'll be beneficial towards teams with the NIL of teams that do it kind of the right way. I think with FSU, they, they value relationships, but also this is what your value is. This is what we're giving you, you know, not FSU, but the NIL. And then, you know, but I think FSU is big on relationships. I think with, with Miami, with that situation, uh, we heard, saw that with Isaiah Wong, where he's demanding an ultimatum, like, Hey, pay me or I'm leaving. That is what they need to get away from because that is a disaster. And it's just, I'm not a big fan of this crap, Jeff. I mean, I'll be honest. I do not like the NIL. I just don't think it's – I think it's going to trend towards a direction of free agency, you know, where guys just cut checks. No relationship, no ties. It's like Miami's adding all these guys for basketball. They have no ties to Miami. You have to have somebody that's invested to your program. They're talking about college. This They're treating this like pros, and, and I just think it's a disaster. It, eventually, somebody's going to do something stupid that really just – 
turns this thing uh, haywire. Well, I've mentioned before that uh, there's already a, a, a pro league, and they do it better. And those contracts are binding. And mm-hmm. you know where a guy's going, and he's going to stay there once you sign him, and you know where he's going to be. You don't have to re-recruit him. It's, it's, it's interesting. I do think we're in the midst of the wild, wild west, as they all say, and we're watching a lot of things happen now that won't happen a year from now, two years from now. But I have zero faith that the NCAA is mm-hmm. going to be the one to come in and put down a, a steadfast group of rules that everybody adheres to because – it's already been shown that A, they're going to lose in the courts, and B, universities have just told the NCAA to do that <laughs> over and over and over again, and they yeah. have no teeth, and the, and the NCAA's president just said peace. So I do think that in the midst of all this, we're going to watch a lot of strange things happen, and I think that there will be schools who take advantage of that, and maybe long-term it's best that uh, the schools who try to adhere to certain guidelines and rules and do the right thing will benefit. But in the interim, I do think schools like Miami will take advantage of it. Not just because I hate Miami and screw them eternally, but because I think obviously you got a guy who's a renegade who wants to win and he's paying to do it. And it may absolutely benefit them in the interim. I mean, if you go out and get four or five guys that can really play at the end of the day, we could all want to live by a code, but if that bitch runs a four, two, he runs a four, two. Yeah. And then thing is, I mean, this guy, I mean, you look at Miami and the guy's not just signing checks. He's announcing commitments. I mean, he's doing my (laughs) job too. I mean, so he's telling you where they're going. And and the thing is with the NIL, when it first started, it was, it's not you use the way it was intended to use. Like the reason it was brought up was, you see dudes wearing your jersey. They're making money off the school. The school's keeping the money. You know, right. it was it was to give kids back their likeness of what you deserve. Now it's like free agency where they've taken this step further where you're paying guys like you doing this and you doing that. So I just think it's it's trending towards a direction that is gonna be uh it's gonna it's gonna hurt. Well, it's what Saban said, it's unsustainable. So, yep. we'll, you know, we'll see if they get a czar, if they if they break away, whatever it might be. Boys, this has been awesome. I got to go. Yeah. Love Jeff's you both. Michael, uh, let us know what you got going on over at Warchant.com now that you're back with us here uh, after your holiday. Yeah, we have, um, like I said, we put up the nugget earlier and then uh, tomorrow, or, or not tomorrow, but just early this week, I'm going to. I'm going to go to a few places on my own to check out. So it's kind of start our spring tour a little bit. And then me and Aslan later this month, we're going to go to a few spots, uh, check out some major guys. And uh, so that's kind of what I'm going to be starting. Uh, hopefully this week, uh, I'll, I'm still mapping out my my schedule. So I'll go see some guys, check out some targets, some possible targets that I think later could FSU be involved with. And so we got that coming up and, yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. And then portal news, guys, uh, every day I'm going to try to address that every day, you know, the latest of what's going on with the NCAA portal with FSU. Yep. Over at the PRB, the premium recruiting board on <laughs> Warchant.com. Use that promo code Warchant30 if you're not a member. Hit the thumbs up on the way out. For Jeff and Michael, thanks to Ed, and thanks to all of you for tuning in and asking your questions. Uh, we'll catch up with you next time on the Sunday Smash. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. Wake up Warchant, drop it in the morning. And then Michael all day, every single day over at the PRB. Thanks, everybody. Have a great one.